my worst grade in high school was in economics. And that's what I majored in yep. in college. <laughs> yeah. And my worst grade in college was computer science. And now I'm a pro. <laughs> <laughs> Scotch. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 249 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast, Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth, and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam, and I'm a tube. I'm Sam, and I'm the artist. You're a tube. I mean, we're all tubes. We're all just tubes. Don't you forget it. Don't Don't forget it. Be humble, tube. (laughs) (laughs) This is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is March 6th, 2020. It's a surprisingly coherent date from you, yeah. Seth. Yep. Uh, before we get started, we have a warning. Uh, there's going to be profanity on this show. If you don't like that or if you have, uh, I don't know, small children around or something, uh, throw them out the window and then profanity leave. profanity <laughs> allergies. Yeah. Uh, we'd also like to thank our supporters over at moneygrab.bscosh.net. We got a, a yet another donation from Speccio. Oh, man. <laughs> Keep it coming, Speccio. Who says, by the time you read this, I will probably have broken your game again. So here's some money to help fix it. I think he literally did, <laughs> didn't he? Last week? It depends, it depends week? on when that was actually posted. He did. He decided to build a level entirely out of switches. And all all non-functional switches, right? All, just they're not hooked up to anything. Just, just for liked, art purposes. Just yeah. like the way they looked. Uh-huh. <laughs> this resulted in the level being so enormous we had to raise the upload limits. Uh, I believe this was the level. Yep. And also it took him – up to a minute and a half to save it. <laughs> yeah. Which uh, is hilarious because can, you can't turn off autosaves. It autosaves every, I think, two, five minutes or three, like two or three, five, or something five minutes. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so dang back So, so now, uh, now, that, now I got to take this guilt money and now I got to go look at that saving Ugh. algorithm. Ugh. I had other things I wanted to do, but now I got to do that. So uh, we'd also like to thank our recurring supporters. <laughs> Thanks for, uh, you know, for helping us keep our mics running. All right, now, before we talk about studio news, we got to talk about Bedjet, Bedjet Watch. Bedjet, Bedjet Watch. Uh, we're talking about this, I don't know how long ago that was. Probably four, four podcasts-ish episodes ago. Four-ish episodes ago. Um, talked about how I've never been able to sleep well my entire life. He's a sweaty, hot man. Always get too sweaty, too hot. Too hot, too and then too cold or whatever. <laughs> too hot, too furious. <laughs> too hot, to too sleep. Furious. Yeah, because I'm angry about how hot it is. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so, so yeah, so a few weeks ago, my wife and I got an, invested in these bed jet appliances, mm-hmm. which are basically little uh, little AC units that sit at the foot of your bed. They got a little, little tube that you snake up into a, uh, a specially designed sheet that is basically a balloon so that it you know, fills up the mm-hmm. balloon. It's got little tiny tiny uh, uh, holes in it so that it, then the air kind of like seeps out like all the way through. And so mm. when we last talked about this, I'd had it for like a night or two or something. Mm. Um, so now I've been using it for whatever it's been for. However long yeah. it's been. However have long you, it's have been. you been sleeping well? Uh, so I've... Are you still using it? Is I'm it still, still on I'm still using it. Okay. I'm now, and I, and I use it obsessively. Like if it, if it goes off, I'm like, oh no. Oh no, I literally can't <laughs> I sleep. Literally can't, I'm yeah. literally going to die or in the morning because you could schedule it to say like, I want this to last for eight hours or mm-hmm. whatever, you know? So I have, I have a, I have a schedule that I've built for how it is supposed to behave. Um, and so every once in a while, if I just happen to go to bed an hour t- earlier than usual, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and then I'll suddenly wake up starting to get really hot, you know, an hour before I want to get out of bed basically. So it's definitely... It is doing that. It required some adaptation to figure out what temperature should it be. Yep. Uh, how do I want it to change over time? Like it required a lot of adaptation. Would you say it has it has solved your problem to a large degree? It is. It is 
<clears throat> nearly completely solved my temperature regulation problem. Wow. Okay. Um, and I think the part Dope. I think the part where it yeah. hasn't is just the fact that depending on the like ambient temperature, how hot I've been during the day, just like Yes, there's still gonna where be my more- body's metabolism yep. is at. My my actual needed temperature is different yeah. night to night, um, which is a huge bummer because how the fuck are you supposed to adapt to that? Um, but even still, I find it, I, I've I had a reliable point now where based on how I'm feeling when I get in bed and after I've laid in there like red for half an hour, uh, if I'm still too cold or too hot, then I know where I can adjust mm-hmm. it and have it be good. Um, so it's been, I mean, it's been stellar. I have no complaints about it at Have all. you slept through the night and not woken up drenched? I have not woken up a single time drenched. Woo, that's go. right there. Not a single time. That's big. Uh, Probably saving on laundry money for all those. Yeah, you yeah. <laughs> this is going to pay for itself. Yeah, the first the first week I woke up too cold once or twice because um, yeah. as I was adjusting Overdid temperature, it. you know. Yeah. Uh, and I and I I've woken up too hot like maybe once or twice, but usually it's every night, so that's a significant. <laughs> <improvement. laughs> and it wasn't too hot and sweating my ass off. Yeah, it was right. just. I was just like, oh, I'm a little uncomfortable. And then I just hit the button to turn it down one degree. And Fascinating. Dope. <laughs> go back to sleep. Dope. So I'm a huge, huge fan of it. Uh, I'm not really sure how I'm going to handle being in hotels and stuff when we travel. You just have to get just a carrying case. There's a carrying case. Either carrying case it's or big. this is why you've trained your whole life to pack all of your goods into a tiny backpack when we travel. Because now, now you can you actually have a carry-on. Yeah, because I, could, put your I bed could probably fit in a carry-on. I bet you could. You bring a bed jet with you. Yeah. Or just put it in a suitcase. Just check that yeah, thing that's in. That's what I mean. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So we got a stellar endorsement for the bed jet from <laughs> Adam. I think it's great. I think it's. They need to call us. We need I some bed jet money, not just Specchio money. We got to get what that mean? bed yeah. jet money. That's, the, that's where the real money comes from. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's talk about studio news. We are on the war path. We Ooh, have a launch yes. date. We're not going to tell you, but we have one. We have one. We're out to get soon. We are still a little bit trapped behind a couple of technical hurdles there's some things um but we are we know what what exact day we're aiming for and so once we kind of resolve these last couple of little things then we will just blast this announcement out into the ether we gotta get all of our platforms on board yep let make sure everybody knows what we're planning on doing make Secure sure feature make sure nothing's surprising about that date or the or the days around it there will it's always be up. this is the fucking problem yeah. you pick one you look around you're like this would be great and then the week and before then, you know, i remember when we launched into early access we got a and forager came out yeah we got a day. message from the from the forager team cuz we know yeah, we, we know that guy. Yeah. I mean, and uh and he's like, what's going on with this uh, launch date you guys are launching on the same day as, as me and he was worried yeah, because we launched Crashlands. This was his first like big launch yeah. onto Steam, um, and I was like, honestly, man, like we're launching into early access. We haven't really gotten any press traction. Yeah, we were like, I don't we're think- the ones. <laughs> <laughs> we're the ones who need to be worried about. I don't this think you got. And then his game just absolutely crushed yeah, it. So, uh, you know, they've also done a ton of. I actually tried it out this weekend just to see where it was at. Um, he's doing done a ton of updates. Yeah, he's doing great game. work on that game. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been out. Uh, that game's been out for. Almost Since a year April. now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, same amount of time as Levelhead. Yep. Uh, yeah. So so we are cruising through on that stuff. We have the tutorial all planned out now, and it's it's time to start building the thing. So last week we talked about the paper prototyping. Um, so that's moving along really well. We are pretty much uh, through Xbox cert. We just mm-hmm. got like one or two tiny things to fix up. Mm-hmm. And I also want to give a shout out to uh, Sure and Jordan for their work on the the Xbox cert. It's been very smooth. Yeah, so yeah. so basically, you know, there's just there's just a ton of of 
both like user experience and technical requirements that you have to do in order to get a game approved for a console release. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the Xbox stuff, uh, those guys came together and, and developed an sort of like an internal cert process where we developed our own checklist of make of guaranteeing that we go through everything that we know has to happen before we ever submit the game the first time. Yeah. yeah. And Xbox gives us, you know, a list of, I think it's like 30 requirements basically that, yeah. that we have to, we have to meet each one of those um, are the ones that were applicable to our game. Um, Switch has the same thing. They've just got this long yep. list of, yep. of sort of generic requirements that to figure out what does this mean for us? And then how do we test this? And so that's what sure. And Jordan basically put together. Yeah. Um, they so did a great did job. We very are, smooth sailing. Yeah. I mean, we, we didn't really expect it to just like go straight through the first time. Cause there's always, always a hope. there's always something. Yeah. And it almost a, did. It almost did almost though. Did, yeah. uh, we just had like a couple of like really easy to fix tiny yeah. things. It took like two hours. And they were mostly kind of interpretation problems. We're like, it's like the yeah. way that we interpreted the requirement yeah. correct. And, and the way that they interpreted our game, like it kind it of didn't meet correctly yeah. so that they, they, they flagged us on those, but yeah, it was remarkably smooth. So very pumped. Uh, everything's falling into place this is this is kind of like we're on the home stretch now so it's kind of like that nerve-wracking period where you ever see like a video of somebody building like an elaborate domino structure you know mm-hmm. like they're just they're just like stacking up dominoes all mm-hmm. over the place and you know that if they just flick the one wrong, yep. in the <laughs> yeah, wrong place and the apart. whole fucking thing collapses that's kind of yeah that's kind of what it feels like to and that's actually game. like where we are it's like the only point like at this point, I'm only worried just because of the sheer number of things that have to all happen yes. now. Like um, we're going to miss something. So, yep. Yeah, it's thing, things are going to fall through. So it's like that's the kind of my core point of worry. But then the only remaining like sort of technical worry is just one we just discovered we're working on the Android build, you know, that that our licensing method that we have to use uh, is now in conflict with the fact that the game is big enough that it goes into this like extra threshold where it has to be delivered piecemeal right mm-hmm. and that thing requires its own sort of underlying uh, library for for android and these two libraries it turns out conflict yep. right? and unfortunately we don't it's not a thing that we get to just solve we so, don't develop these libraries they come from others yeah. so. so so it's, it's things like this that we're, here we are uh you know so close to the to the actual launch day um and everything else is like otherwise like it's all in place like ex- the mm-hmm. we this last Xbox cert that we went through it came back with one problem and that problem was our Russian characters were just not in the game so you know it's fair that was the only problem which is you know, easy to fix because that was just it was a, just a font issue just yeah. a font issue yeah. uh so we're basically there we've already been through cert on Switch mm-hmm. um so we still need to do it again because the game has changed enough um but. Yeah, so we just have like there's just like this one technical piece left that is at, frankly outside of our control, and like that's the stuff that just freaks me out, um, yep. given how close we are. Yeah, um, but it's all very exciting. Yeah, so it's coming, and the trailer's done. Trailer's, trailer's done. done. I'm very excited. Uh, man. We're getting our store pages ready. We, we're uh, going to be using the screenshotter tool to take our mm-hmm. one jillion screenshots. Yeah, which we had done previously until we discovered our lo- translations. Our, tra- <laughs> our translations. Well, translations were fine. It's just a lot of them. The they translations were, were very long. Yes, old yeah. and long. Old and long, and, and long in particular, so they broke the UIs, and we just yeah. hadn't seen it. So that. this is basically where we're at, and I think this is important to know as far as the last couple, literally the last couple months of dev on a two-year project um, almost entirely go into this, which is it's getting everything prep. prepared. Um, Nothing particularly exciting is happening with the game. Yeah, right. Like it's if, all external stuff. Yeah, it depends you, on what you're excited about. Well, yeah, I can't even no. tell you how excited I was when we like got, got like we got our we got our iTunes licensing hooked in. 
Yeah. Right. And like, yeah, which has been waiting to be done for. Yeah. And now like literally, ever. which is yeah, boring and not interesting. And it's for, and it's invisible unless you're stealing the game. Right. right. Uh, so, but just like having that piece just done, you know, mm-hmm. it just feels, yeah. it felt so. Hey, I'm just speaking from the, from, the, right, from the outside. It feels very different. Like yeah. we're adding a tutorial. Well, if you've been playing the game already and you're like, exactly. you, don't you, give a shit about a tutorial. <laughs> like, you already know how the game works, you know? Um, but there, there are a couple like nice little polish points. So we're doing yeah. things like, you know, a full console playthrough, full mobile playthrough and looking for any of these, uh, these just like awkward experiences. And so one of the things we realized was like, it's still just kind of a pain in the butt to build in the editor with a controller. And that's, yeah, I was so annoyed. Yeah. And that's not right. good because like, <laughs> we're going to be on Xbox. We're going to be an Xbox uh, game, game pass, pass yeah, which is one means, of our biggest user bases probably. Yeah. And so we're like, how do we move this from being annoying with a controller to being fucking great? So the problem was I went, I went and looked at Mario maker. Cause I was like, surely they figured out. Hell no. I'm going to be honest. Like, no, they didn't. I was, I was just like, what is going on? And the thing is like, we, we've talked well, about Well, our this. goal is to be best in class on all these dimensions yes. in which we're making, a, you know, this, this title. And so even if, even if they had done it well, we would still need to do it better. But the yeah, fact that but I wanted to just, is, I was hoping someone just solved it. So yeah, just, yeah. I could just steal it, but it, no, no, that was not there. So no. as usual, we have to fix everything. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's slick. It's but, real slick. Yeah. So the, the key we realized was, so we had this – we already had this problem solved with some of the things in the editor. So for example, if you have your cursor over an object and you press the – I think it's Y or something on delete the key, Xbox yeah. controller. It just instantly deletes that thing, right? You don't need to go like grab the delete tool and then go back to the mm-hmm. scene and start deleting. You just press the delete button and it just deletes where your cursor is. And so Sam and I were talking through the controls and everything and we, we had to rebuild the entire control schema – uh, in order to make this work. But now everything in the editor has its own controller button and it just instantly does the thing that you want to do wherever your cursor is. So if you want to grab something and drag it around, you just press and hold the right bumper and start moving it around. Now, importantly, if we had one more tool, this will no longer this be will no longer we work. We're using – we have – we are <laughs> maxing all the buttons yeah. to their So max. that's where what we have to do is add sort of like – Sub menus, right? Because like you flip over to the path editor, now you're still using all the same hotkeys. They're just yep. on different tools. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the editor, we, we've stretched it. It's at the max. Yeah. Uh, but it feels so slick now because you can now just easily, without your cursor ever leaving the the level, you can like multi-select stuff, grab it, drag it around, delete, Deep copy, it. paste, mm-hmm. you know, whatever you want to do. Totally fine. Um, so yeah, it, it, we moved from that like annoying to super, super smooth yeah. stage. So I think people are going to be really pumped about it. And it's, this is even going to affect the people who are playing with keyboard and mouse mm-hmm. um, because because they used to have – like they would still press a hot key, which would turn a tool on and then they would start doing the thing. Now just whenever you press the key, it just does it's just it. happening. Yep. Uh, so the whole thing is just going to be really, really smooth. Um, so I think that's all we want to say. Oh yeah, and also we are – once we get all these licensing uh, issues figured out for mobile, we're going to be starting a mobile beta test mm-hmm. with players. Uh, so we'll have some information out. Yeah, it's likely that by the time you are listening to this, we'll already have put Good. information somewhere. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but as always, if, be in the Discord, be around, know, be around. Yep. Keep an eye. Maybe, probably not Twitter because no. It'll be in the Discord and maybe the blog. We view Twitter <laughs> yeah. as just a place for jokes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't really use that for anything particularly functional. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. um, okay. Now. And actually, and to do really important studies because last week. Oh, yeah. Sam discovered. So we that, talked about leg meat punching yeah. on, the, on the podcast. Yeah. Last is, week's podcast. The question was, if you're just sitting there, do you hit yourself in the leg, right, from time to time? 
for whatever reason. Yeah. So uh, I'm curious about this. And so I posted a tweet poll and like 120 people voted. This is something I've noticed is that if you post polls, people just go fucking nuts. People love polls. Everyone loves giving their opinion. Like you, you could just say what your opinion is and you get like three likes. But if you just ask for people's opinion and put a poll up, then like a thousand people. Oh, it's kind of like the idea that people say on Stack Overflow, if you want an answer, actually post a wrong post a wrong thing. Yeah. And that's, that's that little cause. Because <laughs> people love in. jumping in and telling you what they think. Yeah. You know. So the results of the poll, 120 votes, as 67% of people. Do indeed just randomly hit themselves in the leg. And this is scientifically proven now. Yeah. Yep. So that means that actually you're weird if you don't. If you're not punching yourself in the leg, you better get on board. Yeah. Yeah. Get on the bandwagon. Get that warm up that leg beat. Mm -hmm. Uh, All right. We need to talk about industry news. Specifically, obviously, this coronavirus, COVID-19. Last time in our last podcast, it was we were recording on Friday morning. Yep, and we're talking about GDC and how everybody had pulled out, and it was looking like there's gonna be nobody there. And we were, and the question that we asked at the end of the episode was, "Who's gonna be left?" Mm-hmm. Then I believe it was four hours later. Yes, yeah. <laughs> we got we got a note from GDC saying that the event was now canceled. They said postponed. They said postponed until summer. It's effectively canceled, yeah. um, which is of course a big problem because, uh, especially for for indie developers, which make up a disproportionate number of people at the at the conference, uh, indies and ad companies, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, so being able to summon the funds and the time to go to this event. Um, and then it's very possible that people would have ended up staying at hotels or booking flights or whatever that they can't get their money back for Mm -hmm. in a reasonable way. Um, so, uh, there's a good chance that like this was for a lot of people, their one shot to go, to this, yeah. this conference. And if it gets moved to summer, people can't like double their spending, yep. you know? Yeah. And so – Or even if they do get some of their money back, it's probably not – it's almost definitely not going to be all of it. No. Yeah. Uh, so because of that, uh, there's been a lot of people doing efforts to try to sort of help with this yeah, burden. Help mitigate the, the – frankly, the fallout from the fact that the it's the biggest games conference. And it's gone. <laughs> and so, yeah, all those opportunities for deals and everything else are just gone. And so uh, it's actually been really, frankly, kind of inspiring to see because there's been just a lot of people uh, stepping in in a, just a whole sort of variety of ways. And I think that's one of the fun parts about seeing something like this is you see these initiatives. Everyone wants to help in some format. And so uh, the help sort of comes through in just whatever ways people are able to do. And so there's one thing uh, I think it's called Wings Interactive. Um, mm-hmm. So they're just raising – they're straight up just raising money to basically give yep. to independent developers, especially those who are coming from overseas, um, who essentially, you know, by virtue of this thing being canceled, uh, are just out the funds that they would have been spending uh, to yeah. come here. And so they're raising money basically just to get, literally just to get back. I think they had like $90,000 in it last time I saw. Um, yeah, there is a lot of money. There's a lot of money. Um, there's been a lot of assistance from, I know, Game Dev World, with, with uh, which Rami runs, they hosted or they're hosting a game jam and they're doing like a games bundle thing to raise money for, for wings. Um, and then there's also plan B. So people who are still going, because I, this is an interesting point is a lot of people were like, well, we've already spent the money. We've we can't the money get it back. And we can't get it back because of, because of how like usually the, the important note here is that as an independent developer, you need to take the, you generally need to take the cheapest option when it comes to booking yeah, all your stuff. That's and usually then, getting non-refundable tickets. Yes. And, yeah. Um, and so most it's, people yeah. literally can't get a refund on it. And so they're like, well. The hidden price of cheap things. Yes. It's yes. the lack of flexibility. Yeah. And so they're like, oh, we're just going to, we still just are just going to go. And so there's actually a thing called a Plan B uh, conference, uh, which is just happening. 
it's just happening uh, at the same time as the GDC conference would. Um, and it gets run by Kate Edwards, who used to run the IGDA, and I can't remember what she's doing now, but she's a a big a big player in the industry. And so they're putting that thing together, and there's like I think more than 150 people who are going to be showing up to that. Nice. Um, and so again, it's just trying. It's like basically like if you're gonna if you're forced to be in town now, people are providing stuff where hopefully you can still get some benefit out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it is really nice to see the industry kind of coming together for that. And then beyond that, the talks are going to be posted. Some talks uh, are just going to be put online. They're, GDC is trying to figure out how to do like a Twitch streaming event for it and some other stuff. Yeah, uh, that we know of. So yeah, we got – We haven't heard any more from them they yet. They sent out an, a note to all the speakers saying, uh, go ahead and record your talk somehow. Yes. And then we will have some information later on how you can get the talk to us. And we're also going to try to select some subset of the talks and then stream them. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is – so I'm going to be recording my talks this weekend. Um, I tried to do it last weekend, but my throat was messed up. I was like on a <laughs> horse and couldn't couldn't get through it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean it, there's, there's one kind of like uh, positive of having this thing be online is now all of a sudden it's very accessible. Right? Yeah. Oh yeah, extremely so, accessible. Because it was the case that if I gave this, if I gave these talks um, at the at the conference, there would be maybe up to a hundred people mm-hmm. at just like listening to the talk. Then it would vanish and it would be floating around in the digital ether for up to two years. Mm-hmm. And then those people who have the vault access, which costs like five hundred dollars. A year um, would would definitely be able to watch it, and everybody else would maybe be able to on GDC's whim about what they're going to put out on YouTube. Yeah. yeah, and so now if this thing is being streamed, um, and also it's from a, from a recording that we have, which means then we have it's our recording. We already now. have it, right? Yeah. So so it was the case that like GDC had the video. Now we have the video. Yep. Right. And so now we can say like, okay, we'll send them the talk. If they if they do stream it, great, people will see it. Um, if they don't stream it but put it on YouTube, also great. If they don't do either of those things, fine. We'll just put it on our own yeah. channel. <laughs> yep. So uh, it, it will so be now available. people are going to be able to see it just like within a, a week. Yeah. So uh, it, will, it will be available either the week of GDC or, or the week after depending on kind of timing of some things for us. So it's yeah. going to be really good. I'm really excited. And I'm also very pumped because, you know, the, the pressure of delivering a one-hour talk straight through uh, in front of an audience definitely changes the – the tone like you got to make sure you're moving through it a good clip yeah um and you can't edit you can't edit so if you you stumble (laughs) over something like that's just in there now um so now i can i can actually you know i can clean things up a little bit i can even like layer in a little bit of intro music you can (laughs) can even record it in two parts and take a take a take a nap in between which i might actually do um talking for an hour is a lot actually just on the vocal not in terms of making you tired but in terms of your vocal cords just get kind of fried from yeah yeah you have an hour and a half of talks to give i have an hour and a half to give so probably I'll, i'll record the first one Edit that, and then by the time I'm done, then my, I'll be wound down again, and then get I some can, get some honey honey lemon chamomile yeah. tea. To so sip in between. so it's funny because it's going to be an whiskey. hour and a half of talks, but probably my whole Saturday is yeah. just going to be like eight whole hours of just yep. recording and editing and recording and editing. Um, yeah, so I'm actually I'm you know I'm I'm pumped about the prospect of being able to deliver the talks in this way. Yeah. Um, Despite all the other bad shit that led to this scenario, yes, you know. Right. Well, it's interesting too because we are in our studio. There's been a lot of talk about how the industry is getting hit by coronavirus in just a variety of ways, and we even had it with us. We've been getting our, our Japanese translation done. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a note, and they were like, "Oh, actually, is it okay if it's delayed by a day or two? Um, because the the translator who's who's doing the translation 
uh, all of her like her yeah, they, kids are home. They turned the off the schools. Yeah, the schools yeah. are off, and so she's like having to manage that fact. So it might take her a little bit longer. And we were like, that's yeah, fine. Yeah. But it was just one of those like, oh damn, this thing is everywhere. Well, yeah, and she missed a couple of translations too. There was like five or something that were just like. Just got skipped, and I was like, "I get it." <laughs> we, got, we got another round that we're doing. Yeah, we're thing again, but yeah, um, yeah and, I, and I think it goes. There's one thing about that which kind of goes to show just how far we've been able to move as a studio. Which is, you know, back when we worked on Crashlands, like it was just us. Yeah, you know, yeah, uh, it was it was us, and then we had Fat Bard helping us with the with the audio, mm-hmm. and and now like getting this getting level head out is. It's like a worldwide global, yeah, it's UN a global effort. Yeah, you know, yeah, we got yeah. eleven languages. We're working on six platforms, which means we're constantly in contact with various companies. Mm-hmm. We've been working with Yo-Yo. Yeah, games. Those platforms have European and Japanese other divisions. Yeah, we're mm-hmm. launching in Japan. We're launching in South Korea now. Trying to, we're, we're trying, trying to, to. We get a rating. Yeah. We got to yeah. get ratings from international agencies. We are working with Yo-Yo Games in London, and mm-hmm. they're helping us with the engine. I mean, like. We, it's weird. Yeah, we legit weird. are like spanning the globe trying to get this fucking game out, <laughs> um, yeah. which is cool. But man, it's it's a lot of work. And then also with with something like this this uh, potential pandemic that's happening, mm-hmm. you can really see how as a company starts to grow and try to reach a larger audience, you have to just stretch out those business relationships into more areas. Yeah. And something like this just it's just gonna it slows everything down. It's gonna slow everything down no yeah. matter what. Yeah. So so like we said, we have our launch date. But we aren't going to say anything until until we're locked in yeah. uh, because things are – Got to get all those ducks in a row. Yeah, things are wiggling mm-hmm. right now. Why do you put ducks in a row? I feel like we might have talked about this at some point. I don't think we've Really, they're in a column. You know, because like you ever see you ducks come following ducks behind a, a, a mother duck mm-hmm. or whatever you – is there a word for that? It's just a mother. I think duck. it's just a mother duck. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah, you know, they all they all just follow in a line behind mm-hmm. Okay, but I, what makes I it a would, row instead of a column? Is it if they're well, turned shoulder to shoulder, a column be a is, row? Yeah, if they were shoulder to shoulder, be a row. Yeah, you're right. Because they're side yeah. to side. Because their heads are forward. If they walked in a crab-like fashion, if they, <laughs> it would be. You got to. You could get your crabs in a row. You yeah, could. You you well, get your but, ducks in a column. Well, that's the weird thing, all right? Because the crabs move forward by moving sideways. Yeah. Right. So you know, relative to them, relative so to them, forward. So forward a row of crabs is actually a column of crabs. Yeah. Because it's about directional movement. About it's about movement. directional movement. Yeah, yeah. Because you wouldn't say like if there was a row of uh, of of ancient Greek soldiers forming a phalanx, you wouldn't say that they're in a column, right? Because they're all facing the same direction. You know, exactly. Moving forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what I mean? I know what you mean. Yeah. Shoulder to was shoulder. Was it the Greeks that did the phalanx? I don't know. What Somebody a phalanx did a phalanx. Is, That's when they sort of like lock their shields together and make sort of an impenetrable wall, yeah. uh, and then they poke people with little sticks. Mm-hmm. They had this brilliant holes. idea, which was like, what if we acted as a unit? Instead uh-huh. of a bunch of randos with swords, and, and then they just destroyed them. Turtles. Yeah, they literally did that. They would turtle up. Yeah. What if we form a team of a four mutated ninja turtles? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. turtle up and just start poking people. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, anyways, we're anyway we're wrapping up the coronavirus. That's, so, there's so other, that's all happening. There's lots of shit going on. Yeah, the other stuff is then that a lot of the really big companies because I have so many workers and they're also in the hot zones like California and Washington. Um, yeah, it turns out where there's a lot of people, you also have a lot of pandemic opportunity. Yeah. So a lot of the big companies are actually now being forced to, it's a very interesting ways, uh, experiment with remote work for their entire workforce, which mm-hmm. I think is fascinating. So Bungie announced to um, 
of course, they're they're like running Destiny, which is a giant live ops yeah. multiplayer. It's a good shooter. thing they didn't capitalize the I in their name because then it would be Bungle. You know? Yeah, and mm-hmm. let's carry on. <laughs> It would, read, it would read. It would wrong. read like Bungle. That's weird. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> if they only capitalize the I, it only in a very I specific mean, font yeah. where it looks like an L. Bungle. Yeah. So it's a good thing they didn't do that very weird thing yet. <laughs> <laughs> Great point, it. Seth. I'm glad, you, really glad you threw that one in there. They, uh, they, had, they were thinking about it. It's a value you know, they, had a, they had a lot of meetings yeah, about so which letter should be capitalized. They're experimenting with it. I know the the president of Two K was talking like they're everyone's basically deploying a work from home policy. Where yeah. it's like everybody has to work from home because the offices are so big. Like I went to visit Microsoft or Nintendo's campus, but or Blizzard, yeah. or Blizzard. The the office is like the size of our hometown, right? But everyone's it's eight in times there. the size of our hometown. There, the Microsoft one. We have eighty thousand people. Okay, yeah. So there we you go. We were in building ninety four. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> our yeah, hometown right. is ten thousand people, and that includes a full size university. Yeah, yeah, right. So like it's, it's like one building. Yeah, yeah. So so the the population density in these corporate centers is so high. And of course, everyone's meeting everybody all the time yep. in close contact. And they're all going um, to the same cafe. They're all yep. working in open workspaces. And so, yeah, I mean, I'll, and it's it's the correct move on a company's part is to be like, all right, uh, don't come in and don't look at each other. Don't even talk to each other. We need this nonsense unless it's through digital means. So uh, it's going to be really fascinating because, again, for, as far as this sort of what this means in, ter- in the long term for something like GDC, uh, my hope is that they see that uh, having this online simultaneous you know pass option with the with the show that's like really cheap it's like a 50 dollar ticket or something like that to be able to just watch the talks would be amazing uh, yeah, and so you this get is a much broad audience and blizzard from figured home. this out with blizzcon yeah. right so blizzcon has virtual tickets um you buy a virtual ticket and then you can you have access to their sort of like blizzcon launcher app thing and you can watch any of the talks or panels you want in real time they're all streamed directly to that thing mm-hmm. it's great uh, and everybody I know who has gotten those tickets is just—they haven't regretted it for a second. Well, because right. the tickets are basically cheap. I mean, like fifty bucks to go see like all of that, or how, yeah. how much it is for them. But like, yeah, it'd be amazing. And so I, my hope is that this pushes—it pushes the industry in some really interesting ways to to shake up some of the the usual uh, ways of doing stuff. Yeah, we'll see. Because there, yeah, there I think there is there is value in being able to participate in events like that in real time and be part of oh, the, yeah. be part of the conversation sure. even if even if a specific talk that you see or a panel that you see or whatever isn't inherently valuable to you on its face um just being able to engage in the discussion around it or even just like a, engaging the discussion about why that wasn't useful yeah <laughs> that is useful yeah. right um so i hope yeah i hope that this sort of pushes things in that direction but uh regarding the work from home thing i saw a dumb article Mm, headline it? Let's which see was it. like was like tech work because of the coronavirus tech workers are now all working from home but what if they never come back and I was like <laughs> A the phrasing of that makes it sound like they're just going to go home and then die right? <laughs> so that's not yeah not great what if they don't come back but also there's that <laughs> there's that romanticizing of of just how amazing it is to work from home and not have to go yeah. into the office yeah and I won't talk about that for a bit mm-hmm. because we did remote work uh, for a while where Adam was in Texas for a year mm-hmm. and a half and mm-hmm. Sam and I were in St. Louis. Working from my living room. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's not good. No. If yeah, you're doing it sucks. Especially if you're doing highly, highly collaborative stuff. Um, it is not good. And I, th- I can't even think about it now because I feel like we've pushed – the studio in the past like two months or so has also – we've pushed it further into – 
high collaboration territory. Yeah. So we're talking – actually, the studio is just sort of talking all day is I guess the easiest way to put yeah, it. Yeah, somebody's talking to <laughs> somebody else like all day. There's a lot of collaboration going on and it's a, it's a ton of fun um, and things move very fast because of that. Uh, the quality of stuff goes up because of that and then also your ability to make these like, really well-informed decisions to move projects forward goes up because of that. And so that was the major problem we had, which is like having to yeah. ping someone on Discord – to say, hey, can I talk to you about this? You know, you're entering this waiting period, right? Um, and so there's there's other ways to do that, which is like you know Google Hangouts or whatever else. But I don't know any of them where you can like pair. You can be in a group together and then like pair off just the, like two people. You know, there's not really a good system for that yeah. sort of behavior yet. Um, I mean, the, on, the only thing I could think of would be to just like have a Discord server running where everybody has their own like quote office, you know, in a mm-hmm. server, and you're just hanging out in your channel basically yeah then you could pop into people people's. just drop into your channel and yeah something like that might know. work so I, there's there's something well, eighty thousand people is yeah, yeah that's, that's not gonna, gonna work yeah. well i mean so, so and the teams on these teams are never usually larger than you know yeah the team isn't eighty thousand. six to seven right. people is usually who you're dealing with um but i think the major note there is that the the prim- one of the primary benefits of working from home is just the lack of having to fucking commute which yeah. is an easy thing to forget for us when we're in st louis because like our commute's like adam's like seven minutes yeah mine's, <laughs> mine's 15 minutes except like 25 minutes maybe 30 minutes on uh, it can traffic. be up to an hour yeah the morning, a lot of traffic so i mean it's, um, it's garbage yeah it's garbage and so like that's the primary benefit because right. if you're talking about these really dense population centers some people are driving because also you can't afford to live near the place because it's so wealthy and so like you end up having to drive for two hours to get into work every day yeah. which is garbage there's, there's that there's also sort of a, a mistaken there's, there's there's another benefit that when you actually drill into it reveals issues about how people mm. think about work and how work is being done, right? Because the other big benefit people like to voice is that they can they can opt out of people talking to them completely. So they can basically yes. stay out of meetings. They can not be interrupted. They can, there's all this stuff that they now – that's part of the normal trappings of a real-life workplace that they get rid of so that they can you know get the real work done, right? Yeah. And we also at various points have thought in the same way, um, but, but you know more recently see that as – as either you have a false understanding of what the work is. Yes. Because Cause you think that your work is somehow the work. Yeah. That like that you, you know, writing a line of code is, right. is the full extent, the truest expression of, of your role and job. Right. Hey, really, you should be deleting code. Yeah, really, you should be deleting code. code. <laughs> uh, but also you should be working with the people to find out what code you should be writing yeah. and like what's actually important and trying mm-hmm. to, trying to learn about more things about the company, helping other people on your team, all that kind of stuff. And so most of the, of the parts of work that, are really, really important are actually not you by yourself in a silo, like right. plugging away, writing a lot of code, making an art asset, whatever. It's you figuring out what everybody's supposed to be doing as a team. So, so there's that. And so, so there's, there's, so one piece is the confusion of what the work is actually supposed to be. But the other piece is how poorly organized a lot of workplaces are yeah. with respect to understanding what the work is, because it's not true that just because the collaboration actually is important as part of the work that any random meeting is important. Correct. That's not true at all. And in fact, most meetings are wastes of time um, because they're not designed in such a way that they actually allow people to collaborate and to get stuff done. And so I think it's kind of interesting that, that you start to conflate these things of like of meetings being a waste of time. And the most important thing for me to do is like put pen on paper or, you know, finger on keyboard mm-hmm. or whatever, right? Like that's the most important thing. And, and, and then now all of a sudden working from home just seems like fucking brilliant. Yeah. Well, and the, and the truth stuff. is what it, what it may be doing in most companies there in most company cultures, uh, 
is actually providing a counterbalance to that exact problem. Yeah, right? of trimming that, out all the yeah, trimming all the nonsense. Stuff, yeah. um, but if you talk about if you talk about a studio that does run really well, it should be the case that if everyone has to work from home, um, that they that they feel like the quality of their work goes down. Yeah, that actually should be uh, to me. That's the sign of if your if your culture is killing it and if your work production is really working well. If everyone's siloed all of a sudden, then it should feel bad in the sense that like. You're not quite able to get the same level of quality. You're not quite able to get the same momentum done. Um, if it feels and really things good, things move slower. Exactly. Yeah. If it feels really good, I think it, yeah, you're absolutely it's, right. It's, it's a, a sign a signal of, that there's something wrong with yeah. the with the. Way so it is always the case with us that you know if I think there's still been it's been very easy if you just if any one of us or um, says something like hey I need to just like today like the first half of the day I just need to not be talking to anybody because literally I just need to like bang into this thing and, and mm-hmm. crank it out. Um, then it's like, okay, and that's yeah, it. That gets respected. Is, and it does, but it's still very rare because n- none of us actually do that anymore because we all know that we are not the most important fucking person in the company, yeah. right? So if somebody needs something from us, we'd probably need to let them have that thing so that so that we don't block their ability to progress, right? Yeah. And so if everybody is playing that playing ball by the well, it's not rules, about it's not about our ability or their ability. It's about the studio's output. Yeah, right. collectively. Yeah, collectively. Yeah. Um, so and, yeah so wait, and waiting for things is – is bad. Yeah. 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 Yep. And so I think it's, it's that, so it's that, that false sense of what productivity means coupled with the obsession mm-hmm. about productivity Yeah, that, that creates that idea, that allure of working from home. Cause like you can just get so much stuff done. Um, but the reality is now like a lot of the benefits of work are social, like outside of yes. even just getting the work done in a social way. It's just like, these are people that you get to talk to and know and whatever. Right. Um, and also being able to work from home is an enormous luxury because the only way you can pull it off is if you, either don't have kids at home or do, yeah. but have some way of managing a, wrangling a, them, wrangling them while you're trying to work. So I think it's actually fascinating about it because this, this combination with coronavirus is going to actually present to me yeah, a way more real test. Too, yeah. Cause everybody's going to be home. This yep. is not like a, I'm working from home. The kids are off at school. Like it's a normal, yep. like, yeah, it's that's, that's good and easy. But if, if it's the case that you're five to, you know, uh, like 16 year old basically is like, I also you're going to say five to 16 children. Also that, yeah. you you're procreating a lot, you know, yep. like if you got a lot of babies flying around. Um, flying around. Everybody's going to be home, which to me is a very different work from home situation. Oh, yeah. You know it's a lot harder. And, and you're not working from home anymore. You're just – You're working home. in an office full yeah. of babies. It's, it's, it's also <laughs> non-trivial to, you know, to move from – so if your company is established around working, you know, on site, right? Yeah. Um, then just because you're a tech company, that doesn't mean all of your workers can like go home and work because yep. – what if their internet's not fast enough, right? What if the computer they have isn't sufficient? What if, what if you're working on a game, right? And the game assets are fucking enormous, right? Yeah. Do you have enough bandwidth? And is like, is the is the connection between you and your company's yeah? Is your pipeline servers, set up to allow it, for this? Is it set yeah. to allow for that? Um, and so, yeah, can somebody easily set up a dev environment at home? Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, can they do that? Do you have that that tech built? Yeah. Yeah. No, this is gonna be it's gonna be fascinating. Like the fallout from this is gonna be. Tremendous and also just very fascinating yeah. in terms of like it, it – because to me it will actually – it should push some tech in some really interesting directions where it should make it – will it force people to – Do a better job of – DevOps. DevOps. Yeah. <laughs> it literally will force you to do so. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Well, we'll just – we'll talk about this more next week because I can pretty much guarantee that things are only going to – They're going to get worse. Get worse yep. uh, for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. So we will just uh, – we'll come back to this. Yep. All right, let's get on to some questions. These questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. Highest upvoted question comes from GameMakerOG. What was your introduction to GameMaker? What was one of your fondest early GameMaker memories? Oh. So, Sam, you found it first. I did. Uh, at a game jam. Stumbled over it in the sand. Yeah. Uh, 
I think, I mean, honestly, it was just that first game jam. Like I did, I did tutorials. 2010. Yeah. Yeah. I did tutorials for like three or four hours the night before the game jam. Had never, I'd done like the tiniest bit of web programming before that. Um, I took a Java class at, at, at my school but had done poorly in it because I thought it was, I don't know, it was very boring. We're doing recursion. I don't know. It was annoying. <laughs> Who needs loops? Recursion is confusing and Java is not very fun. Yeah. So that was that combination of things. Yeah. Um, and I just really wanted to make stuff explode. And we're dealing with memory pointers and stuff like that. I don't care. Um, yeah. A lot of weird stuff there. And so I didn't have such a good time. It didn't get a particularly good grade either. And so I didn't think it was for me. But then, yeah, I, you know, stumbled on this program. And I think it was the drag and drop. Honestly, the drag and drop visual scripting of it is what finally decoupled the idea for me of not of me personally not being able to program yeah. uh, or not being able to make games. It's really the issue you had was sort of like the particular structure and syntax. It's the method. Yeah, absolutely. Of, of learning JavaScript at that stage and also how that was taught to you. Yeah, right. Absolutely. And but so, once you remove all that, those things and just, just look at just the basic programming concepts of just like if then statements and general loops yep. and stuff, it's very easy. It's very easy and it makes a lot of sense, especially and when you're building a block by block um, for some, again, that, that simplicity is there. And granted, like, you know, I didn't make a fantastic thing that, uh, that weekend, but I worked with a guy named Scott Petrovic, who's still really big in the uh, St. Louis game jam scene. He does a lot of music and he, I think he wrote a book on Krita actually. Like the book on Krita is written oh, by yeah. Scott. Like he's, he's, a, he's just doing all kinds. He's an incredible dude. And he did art for my game as well as the other game that was there. He was the only, there were four of us. He was the only other artist around. There were um, two teams and one artist. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, and the other reason I was programming because I knew there was only one other programmer, right? Um, and so to be able to just like kind of show up and like throw a thing together. And the game you made was the blame game. Yeah. Where I believe you go around knocking over old people. That's how you gain blame you, you, ammo. Yeah, you, like you accumulate blame ammo and then innocent bystanders are walking by mm-hmm. and then you have to shoot blame out of your finger by pointing at them to oh, no, blame no, no. You them gotta, for You got to avoid that there's, there's people who are pointing and they're like sort of like zombies, right? So they're coming after you and if they touch you because they're pointing at you oh, and they blame then, you then and then you blamed die. for knocking yep. over an elderly person. <laughs> but, there, but there was there was a loop in it. Like there was actually a loop in it, which I think was, it was an interesting sort of uh, you know intuitive – thing for me after playing so many games was that yeah there's this actual loop so as you i didn't have of course the time to do any ui stuff but just as you as you continuously blamed more people and knocked over more their baby carriages you can knock over old people you can knock over um <laughs> you're just causing havoc yeah on just causing havoc. then uh then after a certain amount of time then you would unlock your gun would just change into a different gun so your it went gun. from your your finger your gun. finger gun. So it went from yeah. a, it went from like a pistol to a shotgun, and then to like an Uzi, <laughs> an Uzi, and then a bazooka, a Balin bazooka, which Blame literally bazooka. was like they were all the same projectile that just exploded basically at the end. Yeah, um, so basically you could just catch a lot more people in your blame net. Yeah, <laughs> they, they did it. They, they all did. knocked down this yeah. person. And so <laughs> I don't know. There's some honestly, there's something very magical about that couple of days for me because it literally was like a, it was just one of those like holy shit. Okay, it's it's. I think it's really refreshing as a as a human being. I think we, we you very as just as a person. I feel like you very frequently believe that the reason you can't do something is because of the the, the subject matter or like your ability to understand the subject matter. Or something well, like yeah, that. people usually sort of self right. You sort of yeah. You sort of say like, oh, I'm not good at math or whatever. I'm else. just bad at this, right? Yeah. And and I think it's it's refreshing to as you get older to recognize because you see more more ways of, of that very subject being taught or more people excited about it in different ways. Uh, to recognize that probably you actually could be 
good at and interested in basically anything. Yeah, I think I think anybody could be. Yeah, um, but all, oftentimes the format and the timing and even maybe the instructor or you know well, yeah, the non-instructor. Like, that, but I think it's also for any given sort of conceptual topic. Mm-hmm. There's always a hurdle. Always a hurdle. But everyone doesn't have the same hurdle, and so so you'll Correct. so. And I think this is where this is where the teaching and the form, like all that stuff, is now important. Um, but now it's a, it's a, it's a problem for one person, which the person trying to learn the thing that they are the one who has a hurdle they have to get over. They can't define the hurdle. They can't describe it because they don't know what it is. They don't know the subject matter. Somebody trying to help them also don't know what, like they can't figure out what it is that it's like, I know you like from working with, with, I've worked with a lot of people trying to like help them learn programming over the basics and Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. And, uh, and everybody that I've worked with, they, they had just different hurdles. There were were different conceptual things that like they couldn't connect the two concepts of like, what it is you're trying to do here and how they, how they otherwise understand the world. And, and so that was the thing I know because I did a lot of TAing in college and, and in grad school. And that was the thing that I noticed like for any given thing, it's just your, your goal if you're trying to teach somebody and your goal if you're trying to learn is to figure out what, what it is that is causing it to be so difficult for you right. because like there's just one thing. And if you can get over that hump and like make that connection, yep. all of a sudden like you get that it click, yep. everything opens up and, and it's just beautiful. I mean, I remember there was like, and it can be, and it's really frustrating for everybody. There was a, oh yeah, there was a guy at TA in college uh, who we were, we were talking about cereal dilutions. It doesn't matter what those are; don't even worry about it. It's um, where you put a lot of milk in your Cheerios, right? Yeah, basically. Yep, that's exactly. <laughs> cereal but, then, but then you just keep on, you just keep on adding more milk, more milk until eventually you've got until you've got basically no a, cereal. An Olympic-sized swimming pool of milk with one Cheerio, mm. and then you sell that as a homeopathic remedy. That's very, boom, very boom. diluted. Cereal. The strongest cereal. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so when I was trying to teach this guy. Uh, about cereal dilutions. Mm-hmm. And so he was, he was a physics major. This is in a bio class of some sort, like an intro bio class. And, uh, and he just couldn't get it. Hmm. He just couldn't. And I was here looking at this and being like, how do you not, how do you get not it? get it? Yeah. Because just like, look at the numbers, buddy. Yeah. And I, and I was like drawing, I was drawing, I was like doing everything I could think of and like trying every angle to explain this thing. But the part that was frustrated, so he was frustrated because he couldn't figure it out. And like, and he could probably tell that you were like, why? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Not, oh, yeah. I was frustrated because I couldn't, under, I couldn't figure out why he couldn't figure it out. Right. right. But we kept at it. It was like a two, it was like two years. Or sorry, two, two, okay. two hours. Jeez. It was like, it was a wow. two hour. For two, I dedicated two years <laughs> yeah, of my two, life. It was a two hour <laughs> session where I was like, where I just literally tried every angle I could come up with yeah. until finally one of them clicked. Like finally one of them did it. And, and he got it. He could, for the rest of time, he could do serial illusions and it was fine. And, and we, we both realized like, and I don't remember even now what it was, but we both realized, we figured out what it was, like what the hurdle was mm-hmm. that for some reason he just had like the wrong idea about something yeah. and he didn't know that he had that idea and I couldn't tell he had that idea. And so we, we had to f- eventually discover it by just like hitting it at every so fucking to kind angle. of keep working your way backwards through the assumptions. Yeah. It's like what assumption isn't actually like. Or yeah, or trying different metaphors that they might be familiar yeah, with. Yeah, exactly. Like all yeah. sorts of stuff. So I think this, this is the interesting, the the lack of power that comes out of getting – it's just – I mean frankly out of getting an education, which is that yeah. the teacher can only – is going to just teach, especially in a college class, something where you're not getting like directly tutored. Um, the teacher is just going to teach based on a method that yeah. they have hopefully developed by by having conversations like this, almost like doing the cert test, right? Where it's like, okay, in order to teach this thing, I know I need to cover – On average if I do this. You know, on average if I cover right. these 30 bases, like 30, these 30 ways of explaining the concept and de- demonstrating it, then like 99% of people will get it. Yeah. But really um, it's more like 30. <laughs> but, yeah, really it's more like 30. And I think for, for teaching, it's, it's so hard because, again, having those conversations with people is uh, – especially as you get into a professorship um, – actually rare because you're often offloading this stuff on TAs. Yeah. 
And so um, after a year, I mean, even with ours, we didn't, we had the conversations with people. Um, but as we, the reason we didn't go back to the class was because the workload was just too high. And so we, we would have for year two picked up TAs for the whole thing. Yeah. Which would have actually not exposed us to exactly this stuff. Yeah. Which is sort of the hard part. Well, it's, it, it is just so hard. The more you know about a thing, the harder it is to understand what it means to not know that. It's called stuff, the curse right? of knowledge. And, and it also, the amount of, so, so basically you have this hidden set of, there's hidden knowledge and there are hidden assumptions, right? And, and you become rapidly, when, you, when you're working really actively towards learning a thing, you're completely aware of like all the pieces of that stuff that you are learning because you're actively learning them. Uh, as you leave those behind and build on that, you start to lose memory, not of the thing, but of the fact that you know that thing, right? Yes. It just, it goes, it, it just goes away. It's just something that everybody knows. Yeah. It's just as a far common, as you know. It's quote, common it, knowledge. No, it's not, it's not even that. It's, it's because it's not even that it's common knowledge. It's that you don't even know mm. that it's a thing that you know that is relevant. Yes. Right. Right. So when you're trying to explain something to somebody. You're using, this is where jargon comes in, right? Like you're using terms to explain it that the person may have never even like more, it, well, it's more even worse than that. I'm yeah. saying it's not even the jargon because like the jargon is, is a thing too. But it's it's a thing where you you have understandings about how the world works that are a foundation of how you're explaining something. Mm-hmm. They're not part of how you're explaining something. Mm-hmm. They're a foundation that's required for the explanation that you're making to even make sense, right? Yeah. And and you're not even aware that th- that you're using those because that's just part of how your view of the world works. Yeah. And those are oftentimes the key for actually And that's the key. That's the part that's missing, right. And so being able to, to effectively teach something and the, and the more experienced that you are, the more knowledgeable on a topic you are, the harder it is because there's a deeper and deeper stack of these hidden pieces of knowledge that you're not even aware that you're using. Um, and similarly, somebody who you're trying to teach, the more experience they have, not in that realm, but just in other stuff, the more hidden assumptions they have. And it's those two things. It's like yeah. the battle between these ever-growing lists of hidden assumptions and hidden knowledge that makes it so fucking hard to transfer knowledge between. You know what this reminds me of the, the weird problem that in public schools, nobody ever gets taught how to study. Yeah. Yes. Right. And then, and then eventually maybe you're in college, maybe you're in grad school or something and you're, you know, you're taking your academics very seriously and you're, you're studying with people a lot more. And as you, and as you sort of like just talk with more people, you realize literally every person you know is taking a completely different approach yeah. to how they try to study. I think it. this is just like having relationships with people in the in the, in the generic sense, right? Mm-hmm. We're also never taught how to do that. We're never taught yeah. how to do that. Like, yeah. what is it? What does it mean to have a healthy like you? Like we look around and wonder at how fucked up everybody's relationships are <laughs> with their family, with their with their significant others, with their friends, with everybody. A lot of toxic behaviors. So and- much toxic behavior, and, and it's like and it's exhibited just constantly. And we all wonder, like, why is everything so fucked up? Why mm-hmm. are people so mean? You're like, well, nobody's ever really talked. Nobody, we right. don't talk about <laughs> We're it. We're not yeah. taught it. Uh, yeah, and a lot of it is kind of this, you know, learning by example. Um, and you learn by what, whatever examples you see. Yeah. But then there's a lot of things that you just don't see. Yeah. Right. So like when you're growing up, you, you don't see like with people balancing checkbooks, you don't, you don't see like maybe your parents going to the bank and like talking to somebody to, to, to get a loan. Mm-hmm. Right? right. Like that's a, that's a private interaction that nobody else is privy well, you to. You also don't see like a business negotiation happening. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, there's, there's so many aspects of life that, that it's just, it's just, like you said, it's just assumed. That mm-hmm. it's just yeah, of course, this is how you do it, and even like the uh, like the aphantasia thing. Like I yeah. feel like this was like such a perfect demonstration of it, yeah. which is, which is everybody just assumes that people can visualize things in their mind, or if you have aphantasia, you assume that people can't, <laughs> and it's a metaphor, <laughs> and that it's a metaphor, right, right. right? When 
everybody's having a completely different private experience. And then when you come to something like public school, then you have this like one size fits all application. And basically you're then your success in public school is basically just a measure of how well your assumptions match whatever is being taught. Yeah, that's, exactly, that's exactly what it is. Your, yeah. your success in all of learning is exactly that. It's, yeah. it's how well do your assumptions, most of which you're unaware of, match the hidden knowledge of the, the person teacher, who right. is teaching. Because it was, it was a case I knew that like that going through uh, going through high school and everything, um, I, I personally didn't have to try that hard to get the A's. But I don't think it was because of my inherent smarts. It was just because I was operating on a set of assumptions where a lot of the things being taught uh, kind of made sense for yeah, me, mm-hmm. right? And for, for some other people who maybe were struggling to get those concepts, um, they were just operating from a different – Yep. A different framework such that things didn't quite click. And even weirder is things like my worst grade in high school was in economics. And that's what I majored in yep. in college. <laughs> yeah. And my worst grade in college was computer science. And now I'm a programmer. <laughs> <laughs> right. So like your, yeah. your performance in, in that environment, that just, it just means – Absolutely nothing. Well, I think that's well, yeah. that's the horrifying thing, right? Because like, are you, it's just an interesting fact of it, really. Maybe less than horrifying. Um, I think it's a little bit horrifying. Well, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, well, no, I think it's horrifying in the same way that the reality of the world is that everything's very messy, and so and the feedback, it. yeah, and, and messy so the, and invisible. So the feedback you get about, for example, your performance uh, in a thing that you then may base a career move off of or a life trajectory off of. Um, can literally be – It's effectively random. Random and wrong, right? Yep. Um, and I think that's that's just the hard – Well, even it. worse is, of course, like all, all these systems are built on top of each other. So so how well you – or how likely you are to get accepted into a college yep. is, of course, tied to your ACT scores and your SAT scores and your grades and whatever. Um, when those things are all measuring other stuff Who the too. hell knows yep. what? Yep. And then once you get into college uh, – those things don't really necessarily correlate with anything of like what happens once you're yeah. in college. And, and then being able to socialize in a more professional capacity starts to become more and more the most important skill you can have. But what college teaches is like the least professional kind of human human interaction possible. Partying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, that, that's what it glorifies, right? Is that, yeah. is that piece of it. And so it's not until the tail end where it was like, oh, we got to get serious because we're about to go into the job force. And now, so last now all of a sudden things start yeah. to come up where you can try to learn how to do that. Yeah. Because I mean, if, if these things, if these things worked, then for example, as an employer, you know, if you were going to hire, if you were going to hire somebody, you would just look at their grades. Yeah. You would yeah. just look at the grades. You'd be like, you got A's in college. You're, yeah, sure. You're 40 now, but like you got A's in college, which right. means <laughs> right. that you're means good. something. Yep. Right. And so, uh, but it's just, it just doesn't. None or of even, or even somebody coming fresh out of, fresh out of college would say like, oh, you got an A in, in, uh, your computer programming, you know, but what does that course mean? or whatever? So since that, that means you know how to program. Which of course it absolutely does <laughs> not. Like that. Is it, is it, but the problem is, it may or may not, it depending may not. on what the it program was. That, yeah. Yeah. Person, it means that you yeah. you were successful in in whatever it was that that class required you to do. Yes, right. Which to may get, be completely unrelated yeah. to everything that happens from that point forward. <laughs> yeah, you just don't know what it's correlated with. So, anyways, game maker. Uh, it's complicated. Yep. <laughs> well, yeah, it just it points back to that, which is it's 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 very refreshing in life. Uh, to come across things that that remind you that uh, about the arbitrariness of these they remind things. you that you know you're not a demo you're not a demo you, you can just, make games it just you were just in the wrong place at the wrong time there you go yep. and, you you, know? and you weren't aware 
of your assumptions nor the other person's hidden knowledge. Yeah. yeah. And really like any any effort where you're trying to learn, you're trying to teach somebody else, the initial goal should be to to dig into that, to figure out what's yep. what what could possibly be going on there when there's a mismatch. And I think it's the same thing with your when you're having an argument with somebody yeah, in, a, in a relationship. It's, it's a communication the same deal. problem. Yeah. Cause it's one of those things that's like there are so few things that if you actually got down to like and agreed on the definitions of things and so there's so few things that people will actually fundamentally disagree on, right? Um like really, there just really are not that many things. The the problem is that we're all coming into all these discussions with a completely different set of underlying assumptions. Yeah. And so and they're so, all hidden. So if you if you find there's like an animosity happening in an in a particular conversation, you need to zoom Try out. Try to back it up. Yeah. You need to be like, all right, yeah. we need to stop talking about this specific thing. And we need to go back. Like, what do you mean when you say mm-hmm. yeah. this? You know? And we even do this. I mean, when we're doing uh, – we're going through feedback from players from Specchio, you know, sometimes. <laughs> um, you know, we'll look at the, the feedback entry and we'll start uh, – either I or Seth oftentimes will have already a solution to whatever the problem is. And so our pitch is essentially this solution. Yeah, they start arguing about the solution. Yeah, we start arguing about the solution, which again completely loses. Sometimes it works because we're just like, yes, if we're already in agreement, it's yeah, that's fine. But of course, if you're not in agreement, um, then you actually the only thing to do is actually to back up. You can't keep arguing about it because that's not the the arguing about the solution. You both have good reasons. Yes, you both want a solution because because you're both rational actors and you you have come up not. I wouldn't say rational actors. I don't know. Well, you're people. <laughs> you're people. So yeah. You're you're both. You're people. You're both you're people doing your best. Yeah. You're both <laughs> attempting to come at it logically. There you go. And you're and you've both logically arrived at your stance based on the assumptions you've made, yeah. right? Yeah. So if you're disagreeing, that then, means you're disagreeing on assumptions. It means you're disagreeing about the assumptions, not, not the solution not the thing. Yeah. 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 And so we, yeah, you have to regularly practice this idea of backing up. And we do it. We did it yesterday every morning because that's when I sit down and go through the feedback. And I think we do it literally every single morning. Yep. yep. Start arguing about something and be like, wait, uh, well, let's back. What yeah, are we talking it's about? It's not the natural the way problem? to do things. You know, it's it's yeah. not the natural way to learn because there isn't one and nobody's ever taught mm-hmm. how to do it, right? It's not the natural way to have uh, difficult discussions. Um, but yeah, but the but all this stuff just comes from just hidden knowledge and hidden assumptions that that are not intersecting, right? And so that is the, that is the key to learning. That's the key to being a if person. If you can dig into those things and like really track that stuff down, then the world is your – let's go with uh, – what do you want it to be? Let's go with a truffle. The world is your truffle. Yeah, you know, it's kind of like sniff it out. There. It's a little earthy, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, but there's a lot of value in it. Yeah, it's, it's kind of dirty because you know. Yeah, and it doesn't <laughs> really taste good, but you can grow a taste for it. You know? And if you have a pig, you can get at it a little bit a little faster. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's just a thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly right. Next question. All right, so that was our answer to <laughs> Game Maker. Uh, all right, next question comes from. So we have two questions that are both related. They're about game design, so I'll just read both of them. Mm-hmm. First one comes from Chalosis, who says, do you all educate yourselves on game design outside of building games? For example, with books, podcasts, or YouTube series. Any recommendations? I'm a game programmer by trade, and I watch lots of videos about programming, but I like to become a better designer. Uh, Another question comes from Beaky Bapa Boop, who says, when playing video games for fun, do you often accidentally start to look at the gameplay from a designer perspective? Does this take away from or add to your experience? Mm. So I think we can kind of like pull these together and just say like, how, what, what's the approach to becoming a better game, game designer? designer. Yeah. And is there any sort of like practice that you can recommend? Yeah, I think since I do the least game design, so I can have the quickest answer, which is uh, I do not do any studying of design whatsoever mm-hmm. intentionally. Um, but it is also the case that anytime I play a game, I am now constantly thinking about its design. Yeah. 
paying attention to it. I'm paying attention to it. So, and I think about it from design and actually implementation because I'm, I'm also just more interested in implementation. Like, but it starts, it starts from it? noticing the design and then being like, how? How yep. do they pull yep. that shit off? Um, and, and a lot of it comes from the stance, like especially for like big AAA titles and stuff, of being able to appreciate something clever that they did to, to pull a thing off or be like, oh, I bet I know how they did that, you know, like, and then being just get to be impressed by that or mm. things that I can't figure out how they did and just being impressed by the fact that they figured out some way to do this thing that seems like it should be impossible. Right. You know? And so for me, it's a lot of where that comes from. Um, but otherwise I, I just try to use games to get a sense of what for me, cause I, since I don't do the day-to-day design work, it's about, I want to make sure that I can play our own games and have a gut feeling about something being, uh, needing a change right and and then have enough of a sense of of having been in design discussions and have enough of a sense of of thought carefully through stuff that i'm playing and that kind of thing to be able to get as close to possible as identifying what that actually is and articulating it um even though i know i but without the without the specific goal of actually being able to pull that off because right. to me like yeah. that's what a designer is supposed to be able well, to you, do you still want to have good taste is basically what you're saying you're sort of honing yeah. your taste yeah honing taste and not and having still enough knowledge that I that I don't end it just like this feels bad. Like I want to be able to get, I want to be able to get to the part where I can make guesses as to why that are right. are likely to be accurate. I guess. Yeah, that's yeah. that's fair. Yeah, I, I think there's there's a couple angles to it. One is just like learning about the the basic fundamental principles of design. And there's there's books like The Design of Everyday Things, yeah. which is a, which is a pretty good one. Um, there's a problem with it, which is like. Which kind of comes to the question of once you are a designer and then you start to engage with a game or whatever, do you have a better or worse time? I think generally you have a worse time, uh, but it doesn't limit itself mm-hmm. to games. And this is the thing is – yeah. my favorite example is the is the Norman door. Yeah. Uh, so I can't remember what – who who is the, the person? Norman is in their name somewhere. Yeah, I don't know. Who, who came up with this concept. But, um, but doors pretty much – fucking everywhere are a perfect example <laughs> of bad design yeah. because because they will put a handle that looks like you're supposed to pull it and then there's a sign that says push yep mm-hmm. right or it'll be glass and so you can actually see the words pull and push but one of them is backwards right <laughs> <laughs> yeah. right those are the ones that always throw me off the worst because like my brain reads both and then yep. i just do something and it's never the right yeah. thing yeah. somehow and there's such an there's already a solution out there which is which is there's a push bar Right, mm-hmm. the bar that it, when you push on it, it opens up the latch, and that's what, how you open it from one side. Which, as an outside observer, you would never see that bar and be like, "I'm going to pull on that." Right? <laughs> like, yeah. um, and on the flip side, if there's a handle, then you should be pulling on it. And those are the obvious things. And this is this is the, the uh, called an affordance, yeah. which is like certain designs afford certain interactions, and they sort of they sort of push the user or pull the user to yeah. uh-huh. to uh, <laughs> to engage with them in a certain way. Yeah, and so you want to not violate the affordance that is being suggested, or yes. clarify the affordance if you can. And that actually, and that key principle, I think, is the most like it's it's basically explicit awareness of that idea of if, what is it that that the thing that I have made since you're making just things that users interact with, right? So what is it the thing that I've made makes a person think they're supposed to do? Yes. Yeah, versus and what that's they pretty much do. like once you that's have the entirety that, of design. Yeah, once you have that core concept, then then you. You can start to a- ask and answer those questions about your own games, your own website, whatever. But and the trouble, though, is is that because you're the one who designed it, you can't know. You can't know. So you have to you have to show it to the people because if you think like, oh yeah, like this is you hit this to cause this to happen. It's like, well, why? It's like because oh, I because I put it there so that it would do that, yep. right? Uh, that's not 
That's not how you find out how people will actually no. interact with Then you give it to someone and they just like, you know, yeah. hit every other button on the controller, for example, to start the game, which is something we've experienced. Yep. Um, all sorts yeah. of all sorts of zany stuff where you as a designer, you'd be like, but why? Yeah. And I'm and sure you, the people who design Norma doors, they don't think they're designing a bad door. That's the important note. Like there's no, most no, people they not, know that the door is pushed yeah, from the it side. It says push it. on it. What's yeah. the hard about? What this, more could right? you need? Yeah, read um, it. Read it. <laughs> uh, and so it's it's one of those. those read the tooltip. Read the tooltip on the door. <laughs> yeah. So I think a, a big part of it is just being very uh, being being versed enough in design knowledge. But I think you don't. You really just don't need too much to get going because I think yeah. the really fascinating thing to me about design is it's literally just it's really just critical thinking about stuff. Um, and so once you get a few of those tools in your toolkit, uh, it really is the case that you should not be able to turn it off. No. Uh, which is basically where the problem comes in. So in my case, and all of us, the three of us are actually very positive people. Um, but I think we are we are very critical generally of just how anything works. Yeah. Whether yeah. it's crossing the street, whether it's the timing of a particular stoplight. Well, like we always have a sort of just low level annoyances about just how everything, everything is happening. Yeah. And that, that literally will like if you if you get into into design, that's just what happens because you're just you're just confronting all these things because that's your job. Are designed poorly. Yeah. Every that's time it. you ask, why is it like this? Yeah. You're being a designer. Yeah. You know. It's so. Um. It it does add that, which I do. I do think I occasionally try to make, make sure I'm not. Uh. You know. Too deep in. Yeah. Well. Yeah. You don't. You don't want to participate too much in that. Like, you, if I come in the office uh, even this morning, I dealt with traffic coming in. Um. I have no idea why. Uh. But there was you know some other stuff in terms of like how the how the lights are arranged that make it so this just happens all the time. And I'm like, mm-hmm. why are we doing this? Um. And I could literally, I was, as I actually I was walking into the, the building today, I was like thinking about complaining about this as I walked in, just sort of as the usual like venting of traffic problems. And I was like, no, like, I'm just going to walk in it. and be happy. I got to shut up. Um, <laughs> and so I think you do have to watch that a little bit because it will make you, it doesn't make you negative, but it does make you critical. Well, but I think uh, actually, which are, which are important. Different things, yeah. But I don't think that, but it's, it's not causing the the negativity though, right? Because because you're pissed off because traffic is bad, yes. right? And you would have been pissed off regardless. But the other thing that's happening is that you are now evaluating – you're trying to find root causes. You're trying to understand yes. like why, why? is it bad? What is, yeah. what is actually happening here that causes this to be an unpleasant experience? And the end result of that can actually end up being more rage because you can like see a solution. You're like, why the fuck? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the <laughs> worst. There's a solution, yeah. right? Um, but but for me, a lot of that is, is like there's an there's a evenness and tempering that comes from always being like – always trying to figure out why a thing is the way that it is so that – I feel like – because once there's a reason, even if I don't like it – so it's sort of like in another, another traffic-related thing in St. Louis, the roads become mirrors when it rains mm-hmm. and then the paint on those roads is gone. Uh, is basically the opposite. Yeah. So, so <laughs> if it if it just if it starts raining, you're not even wor- you're not worried about visibility through your windshield. You're worried about can I see? Am I in fucking lane? What yep. fucking lane am I yep. in? And there's no there's no way to know, especially in certain areas. I don't know, I don't know the deals. It, yeah. But it's literally like if I were to take a picture of it, you would just think uh, there was a mirror there. It's yep. like it's that it's it is wild. <laughs> and that's one of those things that to me is like I, I actually I I will not drive like in downtown mm. if it's raining because I know I can't see the lines yep. right. So it's like. I just have to do that. But, yeah, but the, the question is like, why? Why is it like yep. this, right? And why hasn't anybody fixed Probably it? Probably because somebody wanted to save 10%. Well, that's exactly paint, it. You know? <laughs> because it makes more money that way is the answer. And so it's, it's just one of those things that because I know that there is a reason, which is, which is and it's a dumb one. Is somebody's trying to save a it's buck a dumb one. by increasing traffic accidents, right? So whatever. But I get it. And so now I can sort of step back just the outrage I have every time I'm trying to drive and be like, there's also, a really, a reason here, yeah, there's also a really important note here, um, and we've experienced this. Uh, you know, we mentioned to the uh, level head controller update that we made this past week. Um, 
which has been frankly revolutionary in terms of making the editor good to use. But in order to do that, basically what was happening is that it's very easy to be uh, to be a narrow designer. And so what I mean by that is to to offer a, a solution to what appears to be a problem um, without being able to understand the full context of why why that is the way it is currently. Yeah. Um, and then even being able to, once you understand that context, appreciate, oh, this is the best it can be yeah. in this particular scenario. So in the case of the controller update, uh, when I played through the game on, uh, I think the Switch and I was working on all this stuff, I had I ended up collecting it was it ended up being like eight different reports for Seth. Where I was like, change this hockey to this, and they're all just individual reports. Um, and Seth and I talked about it, and he was like, you don't understand that like if you change this one to this, then in this context, this one's changed to that, and that mm-hmm. causes this problem. And so yeah, you can't you can't on a complex system like that you can't change one thing. Yes, yeah. and so that's also one of the things that you you have to you, rebuild the whole system. Yeah, <laughs> so you start learning too that actually I think for me it makes me more comfortable sometimes with with some of these bad designs because I'm yeah. like. I'm, if, if you zoom out a tiny bit, you can start You're seeing. Like, oh, to fix this, yeah, because you think about yeah. like, you think about like stuff, you know, like roads in a city, right? Yeah, the number of people and the amount of bureaucracy involved with like getting that. The fact that the road exists is amazing. The fact that it got repainted, which is what caused this. Yeah, yeah. It got and repainted. It's, it's also amazing. Yeah. It's not necessarily that some that someone decided that this was the best way to do it. This no. was just how it happened. Yep, yeah, exactly. just, <laughs> yep. Through, a, so, through an elaborate series of events. Yeah. yeah. So I think, and, and well, and then being able to fix it is because it, it's not just the paint. It's also the fact that the road is so reflective, right? Because if it was just the paint, you just repaint that shit. You're yep. done, right? But no, like you have to replace the whole road would have to be replaced for this problem to go away, mm-hmm. and like yeah. that is not going to happen. No. But it's not going to happen. Not. So yeah, I think as far as other design sources, um, I used to watch. I watched some like some extra, extra credits. I watch uh, like Boss Keys and Game Maker's Toolkit. Um, some of these other things that you know, I'll just sort of watch YouTube videos that dive into some particular concept. Um, but I think most importantly, it just comes from reading a lot of stuff. Honestly, yeah, because you you just read a design book or two, like that's all you really need, and then you start making stuff. Um, and then otherwise just read a lot of books about a lot of different things because it, to me, design is oftentimes just a lot of, it's a lot more about metaphorical thinking than it is about, uh, like super direct solving of problems. Yeah. You need, you need to be able to zoom out to cast a wider net and to understand how, yeah. how a player could view it, et cetera. So, well, I, I think it's, know. uh, people often talk about it as learning about games. I think design is about learning about people. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's purely what it is. And design principles apply across all, like the same principles apply across all media, right? And so if you can, if you learn to empathize with and understand people, then your designs improve. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I think one of the things that you see as like a distinguishing point between like a, a an a early designer and experienced designer is the question of blame. Yes. Which is like, if the play an early designer is like the player doesn't get the thing that I did, it's because they're an idiot, right? <laughs> well, we say uh, this a lot in house, of course, because you know you're just frustrating. Just frustrating, but really, like we what well, we it's really a know, understanding, yeah, yeah, is that no, like we're the idiot, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. because we have created a scenario. You didn't meet people where they are, yes, yeah, um, and I think there's like there's an an a super quick and easy example of this is in the tower trial. Mm-hmm. In level head, there's a big there's a big play button at the top, and so we have like some text that says like, "Oh yeah, the tower trials. You play through the levels in a series. Um, you have the ability to individually play all of the levels in the tower trial. It basically has practice. But there's one big button that's a big play button at the top, and our thinking was like, that's the button that you use to, mm-hmm. you know, play the tower trial. It's obvious. It's so big. It's a giant. It's a giant play button at the top. 
but it's also has Although a previously it wasn't a play button. It was, it was a, a picture of the it was a trophy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. trophy. Yeah. It was a trophy button. Yeah. So we we got comments from people who were like, oh, I went to the tower trial, but I couldn't figure out how to how to do it. And so we changed the big trophy icon to a big play button. And the the comments persist. Mm-hmm. Uh, people still can't figure out that 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 even is a button because because yeah, the real problem is it looks like a header. It looks like it, a header because it also has like a big filigree around it, and it's kind of like attached mm-hmm. to some UI elements. And it's and supposed stuff. to because it's kind of about rolling up all the levels. Yeah. So yeah. like, how do you what? Yeah. And so, uh, well, so this is true. The marketing department too. The marketing department has that same play button. All of all that, the that play all button, list of levels. Have like, everything has it. But yeah. yeah, almost nobody knows that you, that you can, can hit that it. to yeah. play everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so and even though I was part of that design discussion, I knew that it was designed. I've literally never hit that button because I don't see it as a button. Right. Yeah. I just and even though, and even though, and this, this is where, you know, we can, so like Sam and I, who are the, the designers of this stuff, we can look at it and go, okay, here's the deal. There's a certain visual style that buttons have in level head and they all have this style. And that thing also has that same style and nothing else has that style. Mm-hmm. Right. So it like, looks like a button. When you see buttons, this is what they look like. And so that's what this looks like. But nobody sees this thing as a button, <laughs> which is not because of the style. It's because of the placement and the context and mm-hmm. everything else. And so so for us, it's easy to to go, well, you know, if people don't get it, that's their problem. Because mm-hmm. we've done everything we can. But, you know, no, we haven't. Because yeah. if people aren't getting it, then we haven't done we haven't done our job as a There's design. a design problem. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I think that's always the just to make sure that you don't fall into that trap of essentially it's again all about assumptions right it's like you have a set of assumptions you're making about what the player is going to behave like they have a set of assumptions about how games are supposed to behave and how your game specifically is supposed to behave and you got to figure out like the player is trying to guess what it was you intended yeah. they are trying to right but they can only see as far as their assumptions go yeah um, and so they know to- way less about the kinds of because like because a player has to even think the thought like oh like i there, I would there like must to play be, all of these levels yeah, at once. Yeah, yep. exactly. And there must be a way to do. I yes. want to play the tower trial. Yeah. Yep. What? What, 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 what does it even mean? And, <laughs> why, and why wouldn't that just mean play each level individually? Yep. Yeah. Right. And of course, we have all the words at the top that say this is like you play through all the levels as a series. And when you mouse over the button, it says play series. But that's just the same as putting the word push on a door, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, right, like yeah. we just put words there to try to explain what it is. Also requires you hovering over it. Yep. Which isn't even a thing. On it's mobile, not even a thing right? on mobile because you can't hover yep. over things. Yep. Um, yeah. So if, like, yes, there's some design problems there that we have to solve, but that's – it's not the player's fault. It's something that we have to yep. figure out. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's all the time we have for this week. We'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Coster, for putting the podcast together. And thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, go to podcast.bscotch.net, where we have links to everything you could ever want. Yep. Yeah. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.